You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast, www.savagelovecast.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Lovecast. There was a straight pride parade in Seattle this weekend. Uh, and I, I'm, you know, you've heard me talk about this before. I'm kind of for straight pride parades. I, I think there should be an annual kind of event where straight people let it all hang out in public. And we kind of have a, a, a few versions of them on small scale. Mardi Gras in New Orleans. I think Halloween, I've redubbed it heteroween. It's kind of become the heterosexual pride parade through bars and clubs and urban neighborhoods. Heteroween, enjoy it. Used to be ours. Uh, the queers, we used to love Halloween, but now it's yours. Uh, be good to it. It was good to us for so long. But there was an actual, honest-to-God, straight pride parade in Seattle this weekend. And if you live in Seattle, I'm not talking about uh, the Capitol Hill block party, which just happened in Seattle, which are the straightest three days on Capitol Hill, Seattle's gay neighborhood, every year. No, this guy, uh, who does not live in Seattle, lives in the burbs, uh, I'm not going to use his name because he's a troll and looking for attention and I want to give him any more attention than I'm already going to give him by ranting about him at the top of the show. So this guy, who's also a gun enthusiast and a conservative, said in reaction to the uh, marriage decision as he called for the straight pride parade, maybe animals should be allowed to get married. While they're at it, how about equal rights for insects? In my opinion, there's a difference between a man and a woman. If you can't appreciate those differences, you can't enjoy those differences. I don't agree with boys turning into girls, and I don't agree with girls turning into boys. The way I see it, some boys never turn into men, and some girls never turn into women. What a shit show. You could say the same thing about this person's reasoning. What a shit show. Gays and lesbians are like animals and insects. No... Gays and lesbians and bi people and trans people. We aren't animals. Of course, though, we are all animals. And we aren't insects, although all life forms on Earth share a common ancestor. So insects are our first cousins several hundred billion times removed. And there's something else that we are not. We are not hostile to straight people in the way this guy is hostile to gay people. When gay people have a gay pride parade, it's not anti-straight. We aren't marching in opposition to straight marriage. Or adoptions by straight couples or sitcoms about straight people or the baffling fashion choices you straight people make. All queer people are doing when we march is demanding to be treated equally under the law. And most straight people, and I'm sure most straight people who listen to my show, you get that equality under the law for queers doesn't actually deprive straight people of anything. And that gay victories, like our recent one at the Supreme Court, are not straight losses. And you know what? Straight victories, they're not gay losses either so long as straight people don't define depriving gay people of our equal rights as a victory for straightness. But take the take the organizer, the trollinizer, orgatroller behind Seattle Straight Pride March last weekend. The recent Supreme Court decision that brought marriage equality to all 50 states, it hasn't deprived him of his right to enter into a straight marriage. It hasn't deprived him of his right to have all the straight sex he wants or to watch all the straight couples doing all that straight stuff on TV on most TV shows most of the time. It didn't even deprive him of the right to organize this idiotic straight pride parade through Capitol Hill, Seattle's gay neighborhood, on the single straightest weekend of the year on Capitol Hill. And really, nothing is stopping him from appreciating the differences between men and women. 
You know who else appreciates the differences between men and women? Gays and lesbians. We are very acutely attuned to the differences between men and women and we have preferences that are shaped by those differences. To say that a gay person can't perceive the differences between men and women is a little redonkulous. And while he doesn't agree with boys turning into girls or girls turning into boys, which is not how the whole trans thing works, trans people are free to do what they want and be who they are. You go, Caitlin, without a signed agreement from every last insecure, butt-sore, gun-fondling, straight guy on the planet. Because freedom means freedom for everyone. If you go online and you look up Seattle's Straight Pride Parade, you will see that I am ranting about a Straight Pride Parade of two. Two people came to the Straight Pride Parade. 150-some-odd people on Facebook indicated that they were coming. Two people came. And the most hilarious detail of the Straight Pride Parade were the balloons the Straight Paraders were carrying. They were black and white. You know how we've stolen the rainbow and some Christian conservatives are always really angry and upset because gay people stole the rainbow and the rainbow used to symbolize God's covenant with Noah's family after God murdered everyone else on the planet? God's new covenant? Here's a rainbow. I'm sorry I killed all you motherfuckers. Have a rainbow. And you have Christian conservatives ranting about how they need to take back the rainbow. We've stolen the rainbow. Apparently we've stolen the color spectrum now too because of the rainbow flag, because of... We've taken red and orange and green and blue and pink and purple. They're all ours. So if straight people want to parade around celebrating their straightness, all y'all get is black and white. Those are the only ones you get. That's all that's left. Color means queers. Color means gay marriage. You motherfuckers. You insecure, gun-fondling, Christian conservative nutbags. Black and white for you. That's all you get, at least according to Seattle's most infamous straight guy. All right, coming up on the Magnum, Matt Baum is here to talk about his new book on marriage equality and the fight for it and your calls all after this. Starting a new business and need a hand? Just Works helps businesses take care of their benefits, payroll, and HR. They'll process your payroll automatically, set up your team's benefits online, and help you save on healthcare. Find out more at www.justworks.com. Get 15% off your first year when you sign up with the code LOVECAST. Grow your business, not your busy work. Use Just Works, created by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is supported by Sundance Now Doc Club, the new streaming service for everyone out there who loves documentaries. Discover unforgettable films such as Page One inside the New York Times. To get a free 30-day trial, go to docclub.com slash savage. That's D-O-C-C-L-U-B dot com slash savage. Hi, Dan. I'm a 23-year-old homosexual living in San Francisco, California, and I'm dating a 46-year-old, and I desperately need your advice on how to break up with him. We've been going out for a year and a half, and the problem we're having right now is that he is in an open relationship, but he declines to talk about it whatsoever. There's, there's been a little bit of jealousy, and I'm usually really good at maintaining that je jealousy. I never get crazy or anything, but each time I ask a little thing here and there about the partner, he just won't cooperate. 
and that makes me feel really bad. He tells me, oh, there's no love, there's no spark with him anymore, and that you're my real boyfriend. And But then I go on his Twitter or on his Instagram, and he still posts pictures of work events where the partner is pre- present. And this makes me jealous. And I think I'm ready to just move on and find some other person to date. I This is only my second boyfriend. I've been broken up with before, but I've never broken up with anyone before in my life. So I would really appreciate your advice on how to do this. I have this desire to stay friends with him, but I don't know whether he's the kind of person who likes to stay friends with his ex. So yeah, please let me know. Tell me how to do this. Thank you, Dan. I promise you that a guy in an open relationship who disparages and slimes and runs down his partner, the man that he lives with, uh, the man who enjoys the social status of being his boyfriend, also runs down, slimes, disparages the boyfriend to the partner. So if he's telling you there's no love there with the partner, that it's there's no spark and you're the real boyfriend, he's telling the partner that you're just sex and he doesn't really have any feelings for you, blah, blah, blah. And that's why he keeps you two apart because he doesn't want you two to compare notes. He doesn't want you two to have a conversation because pooey, right? Because if you guys compare notes, it's all over for him. Then he's single. Uh, but this is an easy problem to solve. You know, your only problem is here. How do I break up with this guy? You've got to break up with this guy. You don't want to be in this position anymore. It makes you feel jealous and you're not jealous about the affection or not jealous about the sex, not jealous about sharing your boyfriend. You're jealous that all of the social status of being his partner belongs to his partner that you don't also get to be his partner. You're his vice boyfriend, not his residential boyfriend. And Breaking up is easy. You just say, I don't want to see you anymore. You just use your words. You say that out loud and it is over. You say it is over and it is over. You do not need someone's consent to end a relationship. You don't need their permission to dump them. As for whether you're friends or not, after it's all over, after you dump him, that's not something that you can control. So that's not something that you should worry about. You should dump him cleanly, uh, compassionately, sensitively, And don't let concern about losing him as a friend prevent you from losing him as a boyfriend because he sounds like a pretty shitty boyfriend and you do need to be rid of him. So use your words, open your mouth, it's over, and you are rid of him as a boyfriend. Hi, Dan. I am, I will certainly listen to your podcast, sitting in a gas station, uh, texting the guy I've been dating for about a month and a half. And I thought, you know what? I really could use some help on this. Um, I've known this guy through the internet uh, for five years, and I'm working in the same city he is in. And I'm turning 22 this year, and he's turning 37. And I am feeling so overwhelmed by him, and I don't, like... He tells me that we're not a couple and that we're not exclusive and that we're not together. But then I'll tell him, oh, I'm crashing at a friend's house. I'm crashing at a guy's house. I'm crashing at so-and-so's house. And he will flip out. He will send me all these really guilt-inducing texts. 
I've had boyfriends like this before, and I just, I don't know how to end relationships like this where I feel guilty for having more going for me. That sounds really shitty when I say that, but, like, I just feel like I feel like these people are being so needy, and I... I want to care for them, but they're draining me. And I, this, this guy, I'm genuinely upset that he keeps doing this to me. This is like dating my emotionally abusive ex-boyfriend. And I don't know how to get out of this. And I really, I don't know who to go to because everybody says, oh, he's so nice. This, this guy is so nice. He's older and so mature and so good for you. He seems so stable. Just because he's there all the time doesn't mean he's stable. I don't know how to how to tell him I don't want to see you anymore, and I want to date other people, and I want to date casually because I have three more weeks left in the city, and I want to enjoy it. So I guess I kind of already said it already, but and this message is really rambly, but I would really appreciate some help on how to get the fuck out of this relationship early on, hit the abort button, just... I don't understand how to like to separate myself from these needy men. One point five months, you say you've been dating this man for one and a half months, and he insists that it isn't a relationship and there's nothing official going on. And then he puts this guilty, shitty, insecure, slut shamey zap on your head whenever you spend a moment in anyone else's presence. Uh the other detail that just leapt out at me listening to your call was that you've known him for five years over the internet, internet friends for five years, and you are 22 now, and he is 37, which means you were 16 or 17 when this relationship, quote unquote, started when you met him and began to interact with him, and he was 32. So here's this 32-year-old adult man trawling the internet for teenage girls who can be more easily manipulated or groomed to put up with their manipulative controlling bullshit. And this is not, like the previous caller, a hard problem to solve. You want out of this relationship. You don't want to be with shitty, needy guys who treat you like this anymore. You've already gotten out of one abusive relationship, so you know how to get out of an abusive relationship. You say, I'm done. I'm out. It's over. And fuck you laying these guilt trips on me about this bullshit and you need to grow the fuck up and you need to stop trawling the internet for teenage girls. And I am no longer going to date you, see you, whatever it is that I am doing with you because you say it's not a relationship but then I have all these obligations and responsibilities and I have to answer to you as if we were in a relationship, as if I were in a relationship with a controlling dirtbag. Ta-da, I'm not in that relationship anymore because I'm calling it off. It is over. Jumping back into your call quickly, there was something you said that I couldn't quite understand and I had to go back over that little bit of tape uh, to, to finally figure out what it was you were saying. And you said, I feel guilty in your interactions with this guy. I feel guilty about having more going on for me. So what this guy is, I'm going to infer from that, is kind of a loser not a lot not a lot going on in his life, right? And he probably tells you that you're the best thing, the most important thing, the only thing, and makes you feel responsible for his personal happiness. And he flagellates himself and points out how vulnerable he is and how 
little he has in his life, just you, even though he doesn't really want you in a relationship sense, but you owe him fealty in a relationship sense. When someone says that sort of shit to you, it is a trap. It is a hostage situation. They are taking themselves hostage in an effort to control you, to lock you down, to lock you up. And you can't allow that to happen. That's a red flag, especially a month and a half in. Although really, red flags began appearing five years ago when you were a teenage girl in high school and this 32-year-old man was reaching out to you over the interweb and was grooming you for just this, for just this kind of bullshit that, that, that he's inflicting on you now. He's successfully pulling your strings. You're going to reach into your pocket. You're going to pull out a big fat fucking scissors and you're going to cut all those goddamn strings by saying to him, it's over. I'm not dating you anymore. And if he blows up or has a meltdown, delete, block. Don't return his phone calls and don't answer his emails. Don't respond to his texts. It's over. You're done. And one last quick aside, because I just listened to your call one more time. Your friend saying, oh, he's so nice. He's so stable, manipulative, controlling, abusive-ish boyfriends and girlfriends will often put on a big performance for the friends or family members of the person that they are abusing, manipulating, and controlling. It's one way of putting the zap on your victim's head because my friends all say he's lovely, but you know the dynamics inside the relationship when no one else is around, when it's just us two, are so awful. And yet my friends think he's great, so maybe uh, he's great. You begin to doubt your own better judgment. Don't let your friend's high opinion of this dirtbag cause you to doubt your much more informed opinions about this guy. They are not in relationship with him. He is not doing to them the deal-breaky, red-flaggy shit that he's doing to you because they, your friends, are not his girlfriend. And so they don't know and you shouldn't put too much stock in what they have to tell you about your boyfriend. Trust your gut and trust your sex advice podcaster and end this. This episode of the Savage Love Cast is brought to you by Sundance Now Doc Club, the amazing new streaming service for everyone out there who loves documentaries. If you're like me and you like real stories about real people in extraordinary situations or you just love to learn about the world around you, then you will love the Sundance Now Doc Club. They have excellent curated selections from smarties like Ira Glass, David Plotz from the one of my favorite podcasts, The Political Gabfest, and from idiots like me. They asked me to choose some of my favorite documentaries, and they're all in there, including page one inside the New York Times. If you want to see what it's like to go inside the New York Times and, and see how they put the paper together, how they put the front page together, what the pressures and expectations and, and the workload is like in putting a, a giant and really important paper like the New York Times together – and see the heart and soul and the people behind it. The New York Times is one of those institutions that we talk about. Like there aren't human beings behind that paper. And the New York Times documentary, this documentary, page one inside the New York Times, will remind you and if you have asshole relatives who scream and yell about the awful New York Times, that the New York Times is people. Like Mitt Romney says about corporations. Corporations are people. The New York Times is people, writers, editors, photographers, and you can spend time with them and see how they do the jobs that they do and how they do them so um, amazingly in this really terrific documentary, page one. 
Doc Club's library of documentaries includes incredible stories of all types, including crime, history, politics, music, and sex. There's a woman director section, black lives on film. There is so much to peruse. As a Sundance Now Doc Club member, you also get exclusive benefits like free movie tickets, access to film festivals, award shows, and more. For our listeners, Sundance Now Doc Club is offering a free 30-day trial to give you a chance to try out their service. Get your free 30-day trial by going to docclub.com slash savage. That's D-O-C-C-L-U-B dot com slash savage. Hey, um, I'm 27-year-old uh, straight male. Um, I have a question uh, about how I should talk to my girlfriend who has very bad body image, particularly relating to her vagina. Uh, she refuses to even let me look at it because she's convinced that it's the most hideous thing in the world. Um, we'll have sex, and uh, sometimes you know, I'll, I'll finger her, for example, but definitely can't look at it, can't put my mouth near it, anything like that. So overall, she has relatively low self-esteem. She likes me a lot. We get along great. Um, and I just want to be supportive of her. Um, to my knowledge, she was never physically abused. Um, she did have an ex-boyfriend once who told her that he that she had an ugly vagina. I think that might be part of it, but I'm not quite sure what the the whole thing is. Um, how how should I work through this with her? Um, do you think this is something that's a really big problem or something that I can get through? I'm not, I'm not sure. I expect that the ex-boyfriend is the problem here. And maybe what the ex-boyfriend said to your girlfriend about her vagina came on top of, you know, you don't say what faith she was raised or if she was raised in any faith. But if she's from, you know, a kind of slut-shamey, uh, female sexuality-shamey background or faith tradition that – you know, one comment from an earlier first sex partner can really just set that shame in stone and make it very hard to jackhammer it all up. And so, so my advice to you is it's going to be a, it's going to be a long campaign. You're going to have to wage war on her feelings of of shame and her hangups about her vagina, about her pussy. Hmm. How old is she? You don't, you, you don't, you don't say how old she is. Yeah, she's 26. Okay, so she's still relatively young. And how long has she been sexually active? I'm going to guess um, the majority of her adult life. So since, I mean, I, I don't know exactly when she lost virginity, but I'm, I think it was probably around 18 or so. Okay. So this is something that can be undone. It's just going to take time, and you're going to have to heap praise on her and tell her that vaginas come in all sorts of different configurations and, and, and appearances and that taste is subjective and that you love and want to love her vagina. And, and, and you should, there's a, actually a terrific book out there that people used to torment me with when I would say occasionally gynophobic <laughs> things in my column called Femalia. I don't know if it's still in print, but I'm sure you can get one on Amazon. And it's literally just a picture book of, of vaginas in all, in, in all their diverse glory. And so, and, and it can, and it can undo a lot of the damage that porn does because porn can really like show us one vagina, one kind of vagina over and over and over again, just like porn shows us giant penises and no other kinds of penises over and over and over again. And it can, that can instill hangups. People can feel inadequate and throwing Femali at her and saying, look at these pussies. Oh my God. They're all beautiful. And let me look at yours. Might help. Can I, can I add something? Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think that she just has, also just been so with an overall sense of 
female the, the anatomy being ugly no matter what it looks like. So it might not even be specific towards hers per se. So mm-hmm. I, remember, I think she might flip the book and say, these are all ugly like mine. <laughs> <laughs> then you need to tell her that she's wrong, <laughs> that it ain't ugly. That and she is a straight woman, or you know, or a straight or bi woman, who is with a mm. man who loves pussy, and she doesn't have to love pussy. She can be squicked out by pussy, but she has to let you love hers. It's part of what it's, I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> part of what you both bring to the table, right, is your bodies and your genitalia, and and you have to sort of love and accept and embrace and celebrate each other's bodies. And she's not ready for a party with the lights on and you know, streamers and searchlights outside the building for her vagina yet, but some, you know, baby steps toward embracing what's beautiful about her pussy. I would also recommend that she read Because It Feels Good by frequent Lovecast guest Debbie Herbenick um, and everything else Debbie Herbenick writes about uh, <laughs> vaginas and labia because she's very smart about it and it can help your girlfriend to embrace her own pussy. How awful to go through – you should say to her, do you really want to go through the next 50 years feeling this disconnect between you, all of you, and this really important part of you? Yes. And then I have some, I, then I have some kinky recommendations for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for you. Yeah. To, to, to acclimate herself to, you know, gradually baby steps, not hustling her along, not pushing her out of her comfort zones too quickly. But just, you know, is she comfortable with you having your nose near her navel? Is she comfortable with you being between her legs, facing her crotch when she's wearing jeans? Is she comfortable mm-hmm. with you then having your face between her crotch when she's wearing panties? And you can, I've been told by people who perform cunnilingus, do a pretty good job through a pair of panties. That's what mm. I've been told. No personal experience. Can't vouch for it myself. <laughs> but I've talked to people whose girlfriends had similar hangups or wives had similar hangups. And they would do a sort of, you know, a very slow approach to, you know, getting her used to the sensations and, 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 and the presence of, you know, the man's face between her legs. And I heard from people who were eating their wives or girlfriends' pussies through panties, sort of, you know, using their tongue and getting them a little damp and, and stimulating their clitorises and all of that without the panties having to come off right away. And a couple of orgasms like that may help her get to a place where she wants to take those panties off or is ready to. And the kinky thing I would add to the mix then, and I've recommended this to some people in all sorts of different situations, is a blindfold that she's in charge of. Like maybe the first time the panties come off, you're going to wear a blindfold and it's not something you are allowed to take off yourself. Only she decides when that comes off. So she can experience being with you in a room with the lights on where she can see what you're doing. She can see her own body. But she doesn't have to – at at that moment, when you first start going there, when she first starts having sex with you with the lights on, the lights are still off for you. And she doesn't have to worry about you ripping that blindfold off and turning the lights on for yourself. Give her some power and control over rolling out her vag as a visual thing for you and and really put that power in her hands and let her feel really comfortable and secure with you. And, and, and really demonstrate to her that you can be trusted with this insecurity of hers. And you're going to take these baby steps with her for her. Mm. And who knows? Maybe, mm. maybe it'll be a year or two before that blindfold can come off. Maybe she'll be letting you, you 
pleasure her through panties and then letting you pleasure her without panties with the lights on for her and the lights off for you for a, for a long time before she's ready. Also pot. I always like to recommend pot in situations like this. A little bit of pot. Even, <laughs> if, even, if, even if it doesn't help, it couldn't hurt. Right? So long as she doesn't have a freak out or you do too much and she falls asleep. You know, alcohol, drugs, they get, it has a bad rap, you know, cause, and it should because there are people out there who've been taken advantage of and people who are so fucked up they can't consent who are then hustled along into sex acts or hustled along by people who sexually assault them. So, yeah, drugs and alcohol, that's, that's dicey. But people have inhibitions. Your girlfriend has a serious inhibition. And what do drugs and alcohol in moderation do? They take the edge off those inhibitions. That's why so much of our socializing is built around booze because people are – tense and inhibited and we need a little bit of that social lubricant to talk to strangers and meet each other and sometimes we need a little bit of that social lubricant to fuck this person we know well in the way that we would like to fuck them because we need to take that edge off and so i'm kind of a pot uh proselytizer in situations like this well i'll see what i'll see what i, what I can talk her into you know in a, you know <laughs> in a gentle way in a gentle way and I do think you should impress upon her that this is for her, but also for you, that there is pleasure here for you that not to guilt trip her and don't say it in a guilty way. And I, I think I'm going to say it in a way that makes it sound a little guilty. There's pleasure here for you that her inhibition, her hang up is denying you. And it's, you know, a yin yang pleasure feedback loop, positive feedback loop where it's pleasure for you. And if she can overcome these inhibitions, also pleasure for her, but this is something you want to work on together for her sake and for your sake. And if you guys don't wind up together forever for the sake of her future partners, because how sad will it be to have sex in the dark for 50 years? But good luck. Give us a call back in six months when the blindfold comes off and tell us how it's going. Will do. Thanks a lot for, uh, for calling. That's your thing. This is an ad that's aimed at my listeners who are business owners. Just Works helps businesses take care of their benefits, their payroll, and their HR. A business shouldn't be all about busy work, so let them do the paperwork while you grow your company. JustWorks is an integrated HR and payments platform. Companies out there with fewer than 50 employees, you are normally way overpaying for your health care. With JustWorks, you can save 200 bucks per employee per month. They're the only ones in town doing the health care savings, the compliance, and the awesome tech-forward product. I'm not quite sure what that means because I've never owned a business myself, but maybe if you are a small business owner, you understand what that last sentence meant. Find out more at www.justworks.com. Get 15% off your first year with justworks.com when you sign up using the code LOVECAST, L-O-V-E-C-A-S-T. Grow your business, not your busy work. Use JustWorks, created by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Hi, Dan. I'm 24, going to be 25 here next month. And I'm calling in regards to my boyfriend and I. We've been dating technically since February, but we have officially met in December. And he moved here from Seattle, Washington. I'm in Georgia, and he moved here for work in February. Um, after he moved here, we officially started dating and trying to get to know each other. But since we've met in person, he has not been sexual with me at all. Not one bit. And I'm having a hard time with this because I'm a sexual being. And he 
is now recently started on Kick. Uh, he hides his phone when he pulls up Kick, and it's really crazy um, because when we first started talking, he thought out told me that he wanted to have an open relationship. But I told him if he wants an open relationship, he's got to have sex with me, and then we can have the open relationship. But it seems like he's not taking it seriously, and I don't know what to do. He says he's attracted to me, you know, because I'm physically disabled. There are times where he'll help me get in the shower, and he'll jerk me off in the shower. But to me, sometimes that feels like a chore. And, you know, sometimes he tells me that, you know, he he feels like a caregiver with me, and that that's my fault when I've done everything I can to show him that I've never seen him that way. And I love him to pieces. Um, I don't. I don't know what else to do. I love him to pieces and I would do anything for him. But now I feel like I'm being, you know, taken advantage of because he has access to my phone and pulls up my phone whenever he feels like it. But I never, ever have access to his phone. I don't even remember what his phone passcode is, but somehow he manages to remember mine. Because I want to know, am I being cheated on, even emotionally? I just want to sit with my boyfriend. That's what it boils down to. I don't care who he talks to. I don't care if he trades pics. I just want to be intimate with my boyfriend. And I don't know what to do. Should I break up with him? Should I confront him? My therapist says to write it out. I don't know what to do, Dan. Help me out. I worry that you're being taken advantage of as well. But, but my hunch is it's not about phones. That It's not that he has access to your phone and you don't have access to his. That is how he's taking advantage of you, if indeed he is. What I'm curious about is you say he moved to Georgia, where you live, from Seattle, Washington, where he lived, uh, for a job. Are you supporting him? Is he living with you rent-free? Is there some other way in, in which he's benefiting from this relationship with you financially? That said, you say since his arrival, you two haven't been sexual in any way, not one bit. And then later you say he helps you shower and sometimes when he helps you shower, he jacks you off. He masturbates you. Well, that is – Sexual. That's sexual. Uh, it doesn't sound like it's the kind of intimacy that you want with someone that you regard as your boyfriend. It's not sexual intercourse. It sounds like you feel like he's just assisting you in masturbation or milking you to shut you up or keep you happy. And that's not the kind of intimacy that will make you happy. And if he is incapable of providing you with that kind of intimacy, if he is not attracted to you, or if he is attracted to you, but the only way he can express that is this very limited way that all he wants to do is be your caretaker with this one erotic sort of component overlaid of mutual masturbation or even one directional masturbation, not so mutual. He's just masturbating you. That's not what you want. That's not enough for you. That's not what you want in a relationship. So it seems to me, contra your therapist, that it might be time to end this. And you don't necessarily have to end it in an explosive way. You guys were dating, technically, you say, for a long time before you met. I think what you mean was a year ago last February, you guys met and began to talk online. And then officially he moved where you are in December and, and that's when you met. So it's been about a half a year since you guys met each other. I don't want to say he's a terrible person. I don't know any of the other details. I don't know if he's taking advantage of you in some other way besides just this unequal telephone relationship. And it's possible he's not. You know, he's got a job. He moved there and he's taking care of you. He could just be self-conscious about the fact that 
you know, when he arrived, he was less attracted to you than he was when you guys were having your online relationship or less attracted to you physically than he thought he would be. And he doesn't want to break your heart. He doesn't want to disappoint you, but he also doesn't want to not have sex ever again with people that he is attracted to. So he's drawing this out. He's telling you that he is attracted to you to be kind. He's telling you that he wants to be with you because he doesn't know how to extricate himself from this relationship without hurting you. And he doesn't want to hurt you. And as is almost always the case in those situations where people stay in a relationship because they don't want to hurt somebody, they wind up hurting that person worse. It winds up even being more painful because that person knows, can just sense that it's not working and that they're being told one thing but they're picking up all sorts of cues that something else is going on and then they end up feeling like they're crazy or they're the crazy one. They're being gaslit by their partner. So I – so my advice to you would be not just to dump the guy but to have an all-cards face-up-on-the-table conversation with this guy. And the way you draw him out about what's really going on is you address the worst-case scenario and you tell him that if this is indeed the case, you're fine with that and that you guys can still be friends and that you can still be in touch with each other. And that he doesn't have to move out right away if indeed he moved in with you. But you just say to him, look, if you were attracted to me online, if you were attracted to my pictures and then you got here and it just didn't work, if we didn't click chemically, physically – and that happens to all sorts of people whose initial connection is online. They get together and it just doesn't click chemically, physically. And it's not necessarily about disability or anything else or any other physical thing. It would just be a chemical thing. And so if you and I finally met and just – it didn't click. We didn't click for you, just be honest and let's extricate ourselves from this relationship. Let's break up like grownups and stay friends. I would like to stay friends. You've known him for a year and a half. You've had this relationship. You guys have been intimate, if not as intimate as you would like to have been. And you don't have to throw that all away. But you need to open the door in a calm and rational way without a lot of Drama or accusations, open the door and say, if you want to walk out that door, you can. And we can still be good to each other. So we friends. But if you want to leave, if this isn't what you wanted, if I'm not what you want, you can tell me that and I won't be shattered. And then see what he says. And then make a decision. What he says is, I don't want to go anywhere, but I'm only interested in you in this very limited way sexually Is that a price of admission that you are then willing to pay? That your boyfriend, your sex partner has sex with other guys but with you it's just physical intimacy and occasional masturbation and a relationship? The living together, the day-to-day stuff? Are you willing to settle for that? Is it a price of admission you're willing to pay? If not, then you end it. You take that exit. You go through that door. Good luck, man. Sorry you're in this tough spot. Dear sweet Dan Savage, I'm a 23-year-old woman, historically straight in practice, but again, 23, so there's a lot of sex to still have. I'm calling because uh, I'm an American woman, girl, living in Taiwan. Uh, My life is in an impermanent place right now. Uh, It has been for a couple of years, and it's had weird effects on my love life. Um, I've been seeing a guy now for about four months. He's also American. 
and he's leaving to go back to America in another four months. And I am not. And it's hit me recently how serious he's gotten. When I try to talk to him about it in a logical, realistic way, I feel like he clams up and, you know, sort of says, he, you know, he doesn't care what I call him, but he's going to keep calling me his girlfriend because that's what I am. That's what it feels like. But I, I'm not because he's leaving. And this has happened to me in the past in other places too. And I just, I don't know what to do. I guess I just get so caught up in the happy fact of having loads of sex again. And I'm not worried about committing or not committing. Do I like Mandy Moore, a walk to remember every new guy I start seeing? Like, just to warn you, don't fall in love with me because that seems so douchey. But what do you do in this situation? Huh. I don't mind committing if there's a what if, you know, a hope for the future, but with a definite expiration date, I'm a bang, you know, what do you do? I'd love to still sleep with this guy, but I just, I don't think he's going to go for casual. I hadn't really ever heard of Mandy Moore's A Walk to Remember, so I had to Google that after listening to your call. Apparently, it's a film that came out way, way back in 2002, set in North Carolina, following the rite of passage of a jaded, aimless high school senior, Shane West, who falls in love with a guileless young woman, Mandy Moore. He and his friends once scorned. The two develop a powerful, inspirational relationship in which they discover truths that take most people a lifetime to learn. I like to say that I learn as much from my uh, listeners and readers as they learn from me, and I learned all about this okay romantic comedy from 13 years ago because of you. So I thank you for that. Okay. So this guy that you're dating in Taiwan, you know, you can keep fucking him if you want to keep fucking him. He has said he has consented to there being kind of a feelings imbalance, a Fifi imbalance here where he feels as if you are his girlfriend. He has girlfriendy feelings for you and he's going to call you his girlfriend, but he's not insisting that you at this moment must reciprocate that you at this moment must feel the same way about him. He's not demanding that you regard him or call him your boyfriend. So you can allow that to just be, and you can continue to fuck him with an open mind and an open twat and see what happens. See how you feel in four months, just because you're not necessarily feeling it now. Doesn't mean that you won't be feeling it in four months. And it also, if it goes on for another four months, it doesn't mean you can't end it then. So enjoy the sex. Don't encourage him to make any faulty assumptions. Don't start telling him that you feel as strongly about him as he does about you. And just let it be. Let it unfold. If at some point you become convinced that there is no way in hell you could ever be with this guy and just fucking him is to encourage him in his false hopes for something more serious, maybe then you could end it. But right now, you can just say to him, hey, I really like you. I really love the sex. It's really good spending time with you. Let's just let this be what it is and continue to hang out. And then we'll see. We'll see. And then when he goes home, you can pull the plug if you want to pull the plug. But there are lots of people out there who felt the way you feel now about someone they had only been dating for two, three, four months. And two, three, four months later – we're head over heels in love and 10, 15, 20 years later are still together. Not that long-term relationships or something becoming a long-term relationship or an open-ended relationship is the sole measure of a relationship's validity or success. 
We support the short-term relationship as a wonderful, positive thing in a person's life. And this could end up being a short-term, eight-month relationship and still really good for you and good for him. So just let it be and enjoy it while it lasts. Hey, Dan. I just want to let you know I was just listening to your recent show uh, talking about the whole Gawker situation and how... You know, I agree with everything you said, how you know, long-term marriage is a complicated thing and arrangements are made to make it last, on and on and on. So I'm listening to this episode as I am scanning my parents' wedding honeymoon photo album, turning them digital for their upcoming 35th wedding anniversary. So as you're talking about long-term marriage, <laughs> having arrangements and complications and all I can think about is oh boy what have they done to make this last so thanks for that Dan (laughs) this is a response to the caller in episode 456 with the fear of commitment to his girlfriend even though they have a life together and a good relationship Dan your advice is great I've dealt with a similar issue in some guy friends and the issue seems to come down to fantasy versus reality we like to fantasize about what our lives might look like Our real lives never look like the fantasy. The older you get, the more you learn to enjoy reality and let go of the dream. If you believe your life could look like the dreamy world in your head, the bitterness of not leading that life will cause your real, tangible relationship to deteriorate for many sad and lonely years. This is an issue of accepting reality and putting your effort into making a good relationship better instead of chasing after a fairy tale. Or, Dan, as you so frequently say, rounding up to the one. Hi, Dan. I'm calling about the caller in episode 456 who went to the wedding and heard the one man, one woman comment. So my husband and I have been married for 10 years. And 10 years ago, we were going over the service with our pastor. um, And he wasn't particularly bigoted. It's not a bigoted church necessarily. Uh, We didn't go there. We just got married there. Um, But it's part of the standard wedding diatribe is just that phrase, um, marriage is between one man and one woman. So we specifically asked for it to be taken out, you know, and it was. However, if if the rehearsal didn't include the entire speech or if for some reason the pastor didn't go over everything, the couple might not realize that that is going to be said, and it's just kind of standard. So I don't know if it's necessarily anti-gay bigotry, I felt it was, so we made them take it out. But perhaps just to everyone out there getting married, uh, maybe you should listen to the entire pastor sermon and make sure you approve of everything that's being said beforehand so your guests don't have to feel uncomfortable, even if it's not uh, intentionally bigoted. Good advice. And here's a suggestion for people who are going to weddings and know some newlyweds. You know what makes a great wedding present? The Savage Lovecast, Magnum Edition, www.savagelovecast.com, where you can gift a subscription to the Magnum to those newlyweds. Or if you are the newlyweds, you can gift those subscriptions to your entire wedding party and to your parents and your grandparents too. All right, we're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the Savage Lovecast. If you want to record a question or a comment for a future show, give us a buzz. 206-201-2720. Go to humptour.com and click on submit for information about making and submitting a five-minute or less amateur porn film for our upcoming amateur porn film festival here in Seattle and Portland and all around the country. The info you need is at humpfest.com. 
Follow me on Twitter at FakeDanSavage. Follow Matt Baum on Twitter at Matt Baum. The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and the tech-savvy at-risk youth and Nancy. We will all be back next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for having me.